I'm excited about today. I think God's got a great message for us. Um, if you got the Ridge app, go ahead and open it. Get to those message notes. If you're online, go ahead and open up that Ridge app and pull up the message notes. And we're going to start filling in some blanks in just a minute. But for those of you who might be new, might be visiting this morning, I just want to welcome you and just hope that you're feeling blessed today. And you know what? That's what this series has been all about is about blessings, about God's blessings to us. I think that Jesus wants to bless your life. In fact, I don't think it. I know he does. I know he wants more blessings. And the reason I say that is because in one of the most famous sermons of all time, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts off that sermon with the Beatitudes. And basically, the Beatitudes is another word or another way of saying blessings. And it's like Jesus starts off that sermon by giving us eight ways to be blessed. You know, if you do these things or when this happens in life, don't worry, God is with you and God will give you his blessing. Scripture actually says... That God is like our Heavenly Father, right? And when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, what happens is that we are brought into the family of God. We become His children. And because we are children of God, He wants good things for us, just like any normal parent would for their child. Last Monday night was um, daddy-daughter date night. We had over 25 dads take their daughters out on dates. And we gave them little party packs. I brought one of the pictures right here. When they opened up those boxes there, there were little things to take pictures with. There was candy. There were, uh, they made bracelets for each other, which I'm sure every dad is going to wear always and forever um, from here on out. But the reason that they took pictures and posted those things online and were climbing trees, I saw a lot of pictures like that. Online. And then we'll later watched the, the party that happened at 8 o'clock on YouTube. The reason they did all that is because they want good things for their kids, right? And so Jesus is like, one time he's teaching and he's like, you know what, if we know what it's like to give good blessings to our kids, and, and, and we're broken, and right, we, we don't always get it right. We don't always do the right thing, but yet if we know what it's like to want to give good gifts to our kids, how much more does our Heavenly Father, who is perfect, who is good, want to give those blessings in our life? So the question for this whole series is like, I want in on those blessings. Like, how, what do I need to do? How, how do I need to be as a follower of Christ in order to open my life so that God can pour more of himself in? So, with no further ado, let's jump into today's blessing, okay? Each week we've been looking at a different attitude to take. Um, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. And this is what Jesus says next in those blessings, Beatitudes. He says, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, here's where I want to go today, is that God wants you to be an agent of mercy in the world. And if I'm honest, when you look in the news, when you look what's on social media, there's not a whole lot of mercy taking place right now. Not a whole lot at all. But God wants you to provide mercy to others. And this verse basically says what you get You get what you give. So if you give more mercy, basically when you give more mercy, it's a way of opening yourself up to receive more mercy from God. What is is mercy? Mercy is showing compassion or forgiveness towards someone instead of always wanting to punish them or, or harm them or to try to get even with them. Let's talk about this this morning. I want to give you, here's where I want to go today. 
I want to give you some practical ways to be merciful this morning. And here's the deal. If we commit to these areas of how to show mercy, how to be more merciful, then I got to tell you, not only are we going to receive more blessings from God, but we're going to be blessing our relationships with others. You know, you, you, want a better, you want a better relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your coworkers. Man, today's message, this is going to set us off in that direction. But before we start, before we get into practicing mercy, let me talk for a minute about why it's so important that you give mercy to other people. Like, why is it so important? Why can't I just let things, why, why, you know, why can't I repay somebody for what they've done to me? Like, why, why do I have to be merciful? Well, we've, only, we've already talked about one point. It's because God says you get what you give. So if I want more mercy, I've got to be able to give more mercy. But let me give you a couple of other reasons of why we should be merciful. Look at your message notes. Number one, it says this, God gives mercy. Number one is because God has given mercy to me. God gives mercy. This is a good place to start, y'all. The Bible says that God is merciful, right? From the beginning of the Bible, when you start reading in Genesis all the way to the end, we read about God's compassion and his love and his mercy for his children, for his family, for the world. Ephesians says this in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, God loves us deeply. We talked last week about if you just take a minute each day to remember how much God loves you. God loves you deeply. He is full of mercy. So he gave us new life because of what Christ has done. What has Christ done? But he died and was resurrected for us. He gave us life even when we were dead in our sin. God's grace has saved you. Look at this section right here when it says that you are dead in your sin. We talk about the destructive nature of sin in our life. Sin is what keeps us from being next to God. Sin is what keeps us from being in any kind of relationship with God. So in order to make that relationship with God work, Jesus came to this earth to become one of us, to take our sin away from us by nailing it to the cross. By defeating that sin, by resurrecting from the grave, and that gives him the power and the ability to remove the sin out of our lives so that we can be in a perfect relationship with a holy God. Otherwise, we can't stand in his presence because, we, because our sin doesn't allow that to happen. And here's, here's the beauty of all this. Do we deserve it? Do you deserve that? Do I deserve No. None of us deserve what God has done. If we take time to be completely honest with ourselves, we, we would realize this. In Ephesians 2, 1, it says that we're dead in our sins. We're so deep that it's, it, it, we're, just, we're just overcome with it. It's only, it's only by the mercy of God that we're saved. So when we understand that, like when we get that, it's such a big deal that it should change us when it comes to showing mercy. If I've been given mercy and I don't deserve it because you don't know what I've done, you don't know what I've thought, you don't know where I've been, you don't know what I've said, I don't deserve to be in the presence of a holy God, and yet Jesus loves me and has mercy on me anyway. How dare I ever then think that I get to withhold mercy from anybody else? One of the most practical reasons we give mercy is because mercy has been shown to us. In fact, Jesus tells this great story in Matthew 18 of someone who owned, and you've heard me tell this story many times, but somebody owned a lot of money to the king. 
In fact, it, it would be the equivalent of like a millions of dollars. It was just an unheard of amount. And so, of course, this guy can't pay it back, and he begs the king, just please have mercy on me. And so the king has mercy on him and forgives his debt and lets him go. It's amazing. And instead of running out of the palace and clicking his heels together and singing zippity-doo-dah or whatever, being happy about the fact that he has just been given mercy by the king, he runs over to the house of somebody that owes him money, a, a couple thousand dollars, which is just like meaningless compared to what he's just been forgiven, right? And yet he grabs him by the throat and he turns into Sonny Corleone. And he's like, I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. That was terrible. It was the worst godfather. I am sorry that I did that. I don't even know why I even tried. That was awful. Anyway, I'm going to have to go back online and see if it sounded better online. But anyway, uh, no, <laughs> it did not. Uh, but, you know, it, it was just amazing. It, people saw him shaking this guy down for money when he had just been forgiven. So what they did was they went and tattled because that was, that's what we do, right? They go back and they tattle on the king. And the king looks back at him and he says this. Shouldn't you have mercy on others just as I had mercy on you? I gave you mercy. And what did you do? It didn't affect you at all, did it? And what was Jesus' point in this? Don't go around choking other people? Because, no. Jesus' point is God has given us mercy. And if that's the case, then how dare we withhold it from anybody else? So the first reason that we need to give mercy is because, one, man, God's given me a lot of mercy, and I don't deserve that. Number two is because God demands mercy, okay? God demands it, okay? God says, be merciful because I want you to do so, okay? Basically, this is God saying, because I said so. You, you do that as a parent, right? Sometimes when you don't want to explain something to your kids, they're asking you why, and you're like, listen, just trust me on this. I know what's best. Just do what I say, right? Because I said so. I wonder if the prophet Micah was kind of getting this way. Getting a little tired of telling people what they needed to do. Because he just felt like he just kept saying it over and over again. Because by the time of chapter 6 in Micah. He's kind of answering those questions about what God wants and what God expects. And by the time we get to verse 8 in Micah 6, 8. He says this. He says, the Lord God has told us what is right and what he demands. In other words, Micah starts this off and he's like, listen, God's already told us what he expects. Okay, this is nothing new. Okay, and, and not only that, but it's something he demands. This is not a suggestion. This is not a, if you want to get around to it or if you just feel like you're having a good day, maybe give this a shot. No, 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 no. This is because God said so. And God tells them then and God tells us now, see that justice is done. Let mercy be our first concern and humbly obey God. This goes back to kind of what we were talking about last week when we talked about position and practice, right? We want to position ourselves right next to God and we want to practice what will make us holy in life. And doing mercy, man, being merciful, it's a big thing. It's something that God says, just do it. Just do it. Okay? You may not feel like it. It doesn't matter. I want you to do it. In fact, Jesus one time, he wants mercy so much that he actually says one time when he's teaching, I want mercy more than worship. Let me show you this verse. He says in Matthew 9, 13, he says, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. 
Okay, and what Jesus is getting at here is he's talking to a bunch of Pharisees, a bunch of churchy type of people who were really good with worship. But they were really terrible when it came to showing mercy to other people. So what Jesus is saying here is like, I want a flexible heart more than an inflexible ritual. In other words, it doesn't matter if you come in on Sundays and you worship and you read the Bible and you talk about godly things and you pray together and then you go out there and you're poor in how you behave to other people. If you're just ugly to them. Like if you go home and you're, you're rude to your wife or you lose it in the drive through lane and you give gestures and you say things because you're just irritated in life. If you treat people with no mercy, Jesus is kind of like you missed the point. Like I'd rather you be merciful with other people than to be so consumed with the rituals that go on in that churchy kind of world. So the reason I practice mercy is because, number one, God gives it to me. Number two, because God commands it. And number three, number three, God says I'll be happy. I'll be happier if I do it. If I just do mercy, I'll be happier. Showing mercy brings happiness. It does. It does. Even when you don't feel like it, you'll be be happy when you do it. And if you remember blessedness, you know, those that are blessed in those scriptures, that actually means happy, right? So you'll find happiness when you show mercy. Proverbs says this. Here's another verse. He says, it's a sin to hate your neighbor, but being kind to the needy, what happens? It brings happiness. It's a sin to hate, but when we're kind and merciful, it brings happiness. I love sharing this story, and I know some of you that have been going to the Ridge a long time, and those online, you've, been, you've probably heard this story many times, but it's, it's one of my favorites. It's the time that Savannah really wanted to um, help somebody in need. We always passed this guy on our way to St. Luke back when I was an associate pastor there, and one day, Say asked if we could give him a meal, so we pulled through um, McDonald's, we got a Big Mac meal, and then we got out of the car and we walked towards him. And as we did, I let her walk just like a couple steps in front of me so that she could give the meal to him. And so she gave the meal to him, and he didn't even look at us. He had his back to us. And then when he turned and he saw that she was giving a meal, he snatched the meal and turned around. Didn't say anything, just put his back to us again. And he did it in such a way it kind of scared me. And I thought it scared Say. And I had two thoughts in that moment. My first thought was, I'm about to give him a big Jimmy Mac, you know. T- anyway, I know I'm ferocious, right? <laughs> I know. Anyway, uh, no, the, the second thought that I had after that, being very protective of Say, the second, because she was like six at the time, the second thought was, oh no, this is going to ruin it for Say. Like, oh, this, this isn't good. But Say, right after he did that, she turned around to me and she looked at me and she says, that was so much fun. And then she looked at that guy and just gave him the biggest smile, even though he didn't acknowledge her. And it just, in that moment, I realized, you know what? Showing kindness, being merciful, when maybe that's not what happened to us, Say was just living proof right there that there's joy and there's happiness when we choose to have that type of reaction. You know, it just goes back, man, there's this huge lesson in mercy for me. And just say, you know what, if I learn to be merciful, then I'll be happier when I do. So these are a few reasons why we should be merciful. Number one, God gave it. 
God gives it to us. Number two, God commands it. Number three, we'll be happier. And that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about how to be blessed and how to be happy. We will be happier in life if we choose to give mercy. So now that we've talked about that, let me give you some practical ways to be merciful, okay? If mercy, when you get down to it, if, if it's not giving someone what they deserve, like how can I ratchet it up a notch and, and do more with mercy? Like how can I fulfill a, a ministry of mercy? Let's put it that way. How do I live into it? Here's, here's a, couple of things, uh, a couple of things you can do. Number one is be patient. Be patient with others. Ooh, this is such a good one. How many of you would say that you need to learn to be more patient when dealing with others? Let me see. Raise your hands. Yes, I think we probably all need a little help with this. And you know why it's so hard? Is because people are weird, right? People are irritating. Don't look at them right now. And of course, I'm not talking about anybody in this room. I'm talking about people out there, okay? All right. Not any of you in here. A great way to show mercy is not getting angry or not getting uptight with somebody when they're just frustrating you. You know, learning to deal with someone's quirkiness. And, and the truth is, you know what? You may think that they may be irritating, but you know what? So are you, right? We all are. We all have our quirks. And if you don't think you're quirky, if you don't think you're irritating, just ask your family. They will tell you quickly. In fact, if I can be honest, I don't know how my teenage girls live with me. Okay, it's just the older I get and the older my girls get, I realize the more annoying I am. Apparently, I chew too loud. That's one of the things. I don't know. Uh, the looks I give, oh, they're annoying. And apparently I wiggle my, I didn't even know I wiggled my toes, but I do, and it's annoying. So you know what, now when my shoes are off, I just wiggle them just to annoy people. And some of y'all that have teenagers, I'm sure that you're at that age now, uh, you know, where you get to that point where everything's annoying. But you know what, here's, let me give you some of the most important family advice you'll ever receive. It comes from Ephesians chapter 4. Here it is. Be patient with each other. Just, just that first part. Just be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Man, that's good stuff. Focus on that phrase too, make, making allowance for each other's faults. Because you know what? We all have our faults. We all have our problems. We all have our hang-ups. You know, when it comes to our marriage, guys, you married a sinner and she married an even bigger one. It's true. And truth is, <laughs> I'm glad Miss Dawn liked that one. I'm learning your laughs, Dawn and T. Um, truth is, sometimes we need to be reminded that we all have faults, right? And a great family is one that's learned to be patient with each other. But learning to forgive, learning to show a little mercy every now and then. In fact, the more patient you are with the people in life, the more mercy you extend, the better those relationships will be. So one, word, one important way to show mercy is to be patient. Number two, number two is helping the hurting. Help the hurting. Help the hurting. There are hurting people around you all the time, but sometimes we're just too busy to notice. If you really care, you'll take time to be aware. That's good. A little poetic there. If you really care, you'll take time to be aware. Chances are you heard that story of the Good Samaritan. 
That story of the Good Samaritan, it actually started off with somebody asking Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? You know, well, if you could boil it all down, Jesus, like, what would it be? What's the big idea? And, and Jesus says, love God, love others. And so that guy's like, well, who are the others? Like, who, who do I need to love? Like, is there anybody important? Or is it just the people that I'm close to? Is it just my friends, my neighbors? Do I, does that mean love everybody? And so Jesus launches into this story of a guy that was traveling and he was beat up and he was left for dead on the side of the road and two guys came by and did nothing. And then the third guy, the third guy comes up, he picks him up, takes him into town, leaves him at a hotel, bandages him up, fixes him up and then leaves a credit card at the hotel basically saying, whatever he needs, you charge it to me and I'll come back around and check on him again. And after telling that story, Jesus looks at the guy and he says, which one of those people do you think was the neighbor? Look at this guy's response. This guy says, the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, that's right. Now go and do the same. Now go and do... Remember, remember now, this story all started with the greatest commandment. Like, God, what's the most important thing, right? And, and he lays this out about loving God and loving others. And then he ends it all with this idea of showing people mercy. You know, taking mercy up a notch is being able to help those people around me. And, and trust me, you, you don't have to look very hard to know that there are opportunities around us every day, all the time. You know, I, I love our team here at the church, and I'm always blessed when we get together to serve the, the less fortunate at Rose Hill Community. And I'm not sure if you realize this or not, but the second Tuesday of every month, um, in fact, it's this Tuesday night, for those of you that are on the team, it's this Tuesday, um, we purchase food and then we show up to serve the food to the less fortunate of that area. And we're blessed to be a part of a connection of churches that do this. We're not the only church. Of course, we do one Tuesday a month. Other churches take other Tuesdays during the month. But I'll tell you this, I, um, the... The person that organizes it was talking to me the other day, and she said, you know that the Ridge is the only church that not only provides the food, but also shows up to serve it. And, and I don't say that, I don't bring that up to brag or anything like that. I just bring it up because I want you to know the heart of this church. Because it's easy sometimes to throw money at stuff. It's harder sometimes to get out there and, and actually serve people ourselves. And I love this church family that they see a need and they get out there and they serve that need. Not only do we provide the food, but we show up and they serve too. Proverbs 3.27 in the message, I love this. Solomon says, never walk away from someone who deserves your help. Your hand is basically God's hand. Your hand is basically God's hand for that person. That's a great verse. And the truth is, you know what, you don't have to wait for a Tuesday. And I know some of you are like, well, it's at 4 o'clock on Tuesday. I can't get off work and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's okay. You don't have to look hard to find a need to help the hurting because they're hurting people around you all the time. And when you choose to show mercy, you're blessed because of it. The third thing we can do, third thing we can do, and this is a big one especially right now, is to give people a second chance. Give people, give, give someone a second chance. Everybody needs second chances. But you know what? Forgiveness and grace and mercy, second chances are not what's being talked about. And it's not what's happening today. 
It's not normal. That's not what the world is teaching us right now. And you know what? Let's just get off the big, the big let's just talk about this personally. Because in my life, personally, it's hard. Because when people are rude, crude, and socially unacceptable to me or my family, I've already talked about the two choices I have. A lot of times it gets back to that sinful nature that's, all, that's inside of all of us. Is to number one, get even. Or number two, just write them off. Just be done with it. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this. He says, stop being bitter and angry and mad at other people. Just stop it. Don't yell at one another or curse each other or ever be rude. Instead, be kind and merciful. Instead, show mercy and forgive others just as God forgave you because of Christ. And there we go back to that beginning because God has forgiven you. You should forgive them. You should have mercy. But the normal reaction is to be angry. The normal reaction is to be bitter, to to cuss them out like this verse is saying. That's what we see from the world around us. But the godly example and the example that stands out the most is when we don't give people what they deserve. Instead, we choose to be merciful. Because that love is so different that it only, it only comes from God. And it shines so bright in such a dark world. In fact, if you want to take this just a step even further, don't only give people a second chance, but do something nice for them. Like, go out of your way to do something for them. Kill them with kindness. Give them what they need and not what they deserve. Ooh, that's good. Give them what they need and not what they deserve. Why do that? Why go out of your way? Again, we, we circle back because of what God has done for us. Not, not only does God just not give us, not, not pay attention to us because we don't deserve it. No, no, no. He gives to us. Even though we don't deserve it, he goes out in kindness and goes over and beyond for us. I was in um, our Thursday men's study this past week, and I was reminded in that study of another reason that people tend to be mean in life and towards us is because hurt people hurt people. You've heard me say that before. That's just what they do. Hurt people hurt people. And you know what that means? That, That means that when it comes to our response, being angry and being rude back to them doesn't help. And honestly, they're the ones that need the most love and attention, right? So think about it for a minute. The most hurtful people are the ones that need massive doses of love and mercy. So think about that in your own life right now. Like, who is it? Who is it in your life right now? When you think of somebody that needs a second chance, maybe, maybe even go a step further and do something nice for them. Give them a comforting word, a a small gesture. Maybe even give them an invitation to come to church because they need Jesus. I mean, don't say it like that. (laughs) Come to church because you need Jesus. (laughs) Don't don't say it like that. Um, Invite them to come to church and just tell them you'll meet them at the coffee station or you'll give them the link to watch online with you or you're host a watch party and invite them over to the house and you can watch church together. But that's what we should be doing. And that leads me to point number four. Extend love to the forgotten. Be a friend to the forgotten. Be a friend to the forgotten. This helps us with mercy because here's a fact that I know about your environment, where you work, where you live, wherever it is. You have people that live on your street. You have people in your work. You have people in your family that nobody wants to hang out with, that nobody wants to spend time with. They're the people that get made fun of. 
They're the people that, you know, that have jokes talked about them. They might have a few quirks. They might have a different lifestyle than you, and it's hard for people to accept them. They may have even a different belief system that causes a little friction, or maybe they dress differently and love to wear jorts. I don't know. Which, by the way, those are never acceptable. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but here's the deal. We need to intentionally build relationships and show mercy to those who might not have many people in their life. Or, or even go a step further than that, to unbelievers. To people who don't know Christ. And the reason we love people who don't believe or don't live in a Christian community is because you cannot win your enemies to Jesus. You can't. You can only win your friends to Christ. That's true. And like I said a few weeks ago, before they can trust what you're going to say about Jesus, they have to trust you. Before they can know Jesus as a friend, they're going to need to know you as a friend. Let me take you back to Matthew chapter 9 that we started out with. That, that, that verse where Jesus says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not so much your worship. Be merciful. Let me go back to that for a minute because Jesus was hanging out and and Jesus was hanging out with these people that were known as sinners. And the Pharisees and the church people were really, really, really upset with this. In fact, Jesus actually went into the house with one of the most known sinners of all time. The tax tax collectors were were the worst because they literally were robbing from their own people. And these Pharisees, they see Jesus go into Matthew's house, a tax collector. This would be like a modern day equivalent of like somebody that's like really well known in the community going into the house of a drug dealer or something. You know, it's just like, what is he doing? So Jesus is sitting down to eat with these these sinners and the religious people. They're all hanging outside and they're gossiping. And they say this, they ask his disciples, they're all outside. Why does your teacher eat with such scum? How's that for a biblical word? And how they were describing people. Isn't that crazy? Harsh words from the religious leadership, from the people that should know better, right? They're saying this stuff about Jesus. No, they're not even saying it to Jesus. They're saying it about Jesus to his disciples. That's how they're talking behind his back. And they're attacking him for being with the forgotten for being with the unpopular, from being with those people that nobody else would associate with. So Jesus comes back with this statement. And he tells them all, I want you to show mercy and not offer the sacrifice. He's talking to these religious people. Don't just worship, show mercy. For I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. It was Jesus' way of looking at all these religious people and saying, you know what, I'm going to be a friend to them for the sake of winning them to God. I love that. What a powerful story that comes from Jesus that illustrates what it means to be merciful. Let me share one more story as we close. It's one of my favorites. I read this... um, I've told this story before, but I read it in one of Dr. David Jeremiah's books this past week. And so I just wanted to share, um, share this story with y'all. I'm just going to read it. Sit back, relax, and let me just close with this great illustration of mercy. He says, Bill was a wild hair, t-shirt wearing, barefoot college student. He was esoteric and brilliant. 
And while attending college, he became a Christian. And across the street from the campus was a well-dressed, very conservative church that wanted to develop a ministry to the students at the college, but they weren't just sure how to go about it. So one day, Bill decided to go into that church. He walked in with no shoes, jeans, a t-shirt, and just wild hair. And the service had already started, so Bill started down the aisle looking for a seat. But the church was so packed, and nobody scooted over, he couldn't find somewhere to sit. And by now, all the people were looking a little bit uncomfortable, but nobody said anything. So Bill got closer and closer to the pulpit. And when he realized that there was no seats, he just sat down in the middle of the aisle on the carpet. By then, the congregation was really uncomfortable. And the tension in the air was thick. Many wondered who would tell him to get up, who would escort him out. And about this time, from way in the back of the large church, a deacon was slowly making his way toward Bill. And the deacon was in his 80s with silver gray hair, a pocket watch, a godly man who was very elegant, dignified, and he walked with a cane. People breathed a sigh of relief knowing that the deacon would give this young man what he deserved. So it took a long time for the man to reach the boy. The church fell utterly silent except for the clicking of the man's cane. All eyes were focused on him. You couldn't hear anyone breathing at all. The people were thinking the minister can't even preach the sermon until the deacon has to do what needs to be done. So the elderly man reached Bill, and he paused. And then he dropped his cane on the floor, and with great difficulty, lowered himself and sat down next to Bill to worship with him. The church was silent. And when the minister gained control, he said, what I'm about to preach, you will never remember. But what you have just seen, you will never forget. I love it, man. The story of the Good Samaritan, the story of the deacon and Bill, they're not only just stories of compassion, but they're great illustrations of mercy. What the elderly man did for Bill in sitting with him, not giving him what he deserved, not ushering him out, is the same thing really that Christ has done for us, right? Christ came to us. Christ not only comes to us, he sits with us. He took on our nature, our sin, so that he could be with us and so that we could be with him forever. Mercy makes a difference. Mercy gives more joy. And so Jesus would remind us, blessed are the merciful who show mercy because they will be shown mercy. Let's pray together. Jesus, if anything today, may we just remember how merciful you have been to us. Scripture says, God, that none of us are righteous. None of us deserve anything. And yet, even still, you sent your son to die for us so that we can have eternal life. Thank you for the gift of your son. God, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the mercy that you have on us. Thank you that you have forgiven us, that you served us, even when we didn't deserve it. So, so God, please help us to be merciful, realizing that 
we show mercy because you have been merciful to us. And also, God, just because you demand it, you say so, and we want to serve you. We want to do the best we can for you, so we're just going to live by what you tell us. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when we don't understand it, we know that you know what's best, so we're just going to do it. And ultimately, God, we know that in the long run, when we show mercy, we'll be happy, and we'll be blessed. And God, I just pray that our forgiveness, that our service, that the way that we love each other, the way that we give mercy to one another would be an amazing testimony of your love in a dark world. I pray that people would come to know the power of your salvation because of how you've transformed our lives and how you're working through this church. Jesus, we love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.